minister to them. You know, I wanna, I'm gonna sing a song here in a minute and it's a song that um, kind of, as I began reading this passage of scripture, I remembered I wrote it years ago about this passage of scripture, about the woman of the well. I think it's so important as we talk about the mission of Christ that we understand Jesus' heart in his mission. You know, we see this beautiful picture in the story of a woman who was very broken. She sits down at a well trying to be just apart because she's ashamed and she's isolated. And Jesus' heart brings her in. He pours grace on her. He pours love on her brokenness. He transforms. He begins a transformation process. But I want us now to view how are we approaching Jesus as he comes to sit with us this morning. We come in brokenness. We come sometimes with stuff, with baggage, with stuff. But Jesus wants us to come to him today. And he comes to love you and to pour out onto you. So I want us to, I'm going to sing this song and I want us to just um, picture where we're at with Jesus this morning.
That is our prayer this morning, God, that as we come to you, Jesus, as we come with our brokenness, as we come to you with our needs, as we come to you with our limitations, Jesus, as we come even to you with our our, uh, perspectives of who you are, God, I pray, Jesus, this morning that your heart would be revealed, God. Father, that you can be our everything, Jesus, that when we come to you, Jesus, God, and you fill us with living water, Jesus, God, you satisfy the longings of our soul, God, nothing else will satisfy, Jesus, that deep place with you, Lord, I pray even this morning, God, if there are people this morning that do not know you, that do not have a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus Christ, God, we pray today that you would reveal your heart, Jesus, that you would show, God, who you are, even as we study this passage, God, that we would get to know you more, get to know your heart more, God. Father, you come to us right where we're at this morning, Jesus. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for coming to us, Jesus. Speak to us in your word this morning. Let go beyond my words, God. It's your Holy Spirit, Jesus pierce our hearts, God, with your mission, the cause of Christ this morning, Jesus. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Amen. Isn't God good? I'm just so blessed to have a Savior that just comes to us right where we're at this morning. No matter where you were at this morning, what you walked in with, what you came with, the baggage, the troubles, the thoughts, insecurities, Jesus Christ comes right now to where you're at to meet with you. Amen? I just want to tell you a little bit more about this woman at the well. Her name was Fotini. And uh, though there is not much more than this story in the Bible about her, there is so much historical literature, and I read through lots of different uh, literature that kind of explains a little bit more about her. I think this is the coolest thing I read is that they say that she was the first woman evangelist to win a city for Christ. And I asked myself this question Yesterday as I was studying, is there a woman, is there a man here in this room that would be so transformed with one encounter with Jesus Christ, come on, that they would go and they would win their city for Christ. Come on, that deserves a clap. That deserves a cheer. God is stirring hearts. Love that. Do you know she was such an evangelist, they say in much of literature, it says that she even expanded into parts of Africa, and she traveled everywhere with the good news. This is a changed woman. This is a woman that had a message, a mission burning inside her heart. They say that also that she was probably a martyr for Christ. So that message that Jesus came that day, that we just read that story that transformed her, made her willing even to the point of death, that she would die for the mission that was inside her heart. Now let me just explain a little bit about the Samaritans and in that culture why it was so weird (laughs) that Jesus would walk right over into, cross a border, and sit at the well with a Samaritan woman. Well, the uh, Samaria, um, in the time of Jeroboam, so this is way back before Christ came in about 722 BC, there was a division in the kingdom and 10 tribes went one way and two tribes went the other. So Israel had 10 tribes and its capital city was Samaria and then two tribes went this way and its capital city was Jerusalem and there began to be this division. Well, th- when they got captured, they turned away from the Lord and uh, Assyria captured them and took all of the people from the city and exiled them, took them to Babylon, okay? So what he did then, that king was, then he put a bunch of Assyrians in the city to live in that city. But a bunch of bad stuff, and I won't get into all that, started happening. And the king's like, oh, we need to bring one of the priests of this land. I think we must be violating the God of this land because bad stuff's happening. So they brought a priest back who began to to preach out of the Pentateuch. So what's interesting in this culture is that there was a mixture there was, they studied the Pentateuch, they studied those, you know, the five first books of the Bible, they studied that, but then they also had, they served other gods, and there was real confusion. Um, when Nehemiah came back to rebuild the wall, there was um, somebody of the, the heritage, a Judean heritage that was in the lineage, the, the priestly lineage, that had married a Samaritan woman. Um, and So Nehemiah actually exiled him, and they were trying to get back to what the Lord had said for them. Well, that caused a rift, and there was actually this priest named Manasseh that built a mountain, built a temple, uh, rewrote the laws, and literally there was right next to each other two places of worship that caused a division between the Sumerians and the Jews all the way through all of those hundreds of years, and now Jesus is there. 
And it had gotten so bad that Jews would literally, even though to walk to Galilee, they just needed to walk through Samaria, they wouldn't do it. They would walk all the way around to get to Galilee because they would not want to even be close to a Samaritan. Can you imagine? But yet we actually can imagine. We live in a day and age where these kind of divisions are so prevalent that it is eating up our society There is so much division. There is so much turmoil right now, even in our own nation as we pray for our nation. We see this, this kind of thing, where the the Samaritans wouldn't even be with the Jews. God comes with his mission today to break through that. Number one, Christ's mission breaks through cultural barriers. I'm going to say that again. Christ's mission breaks through cultural barriers. I love this. The woman says to him, you know, I cannot believe that you, a Jew, would associate with me, a Samaritan woman. She has like three strikes against her. She's a woman, and in that culture, woman would not, you know, a man would not talk to a woman. And secondly, she was a Samaritan, so she was one of those. Thirdly, she was an immoral woman, adulterous woman. So in every level Jesus broke through all of that and approached, approached this woman. But see, what I read in that is that she's focused on what divides us. Her whole focus was on the separation, what is distinction, what divides us. Whereas Jesus comes back and he says, I want you to focus on what unites you. Because you know what is in every single human being is a need for Jesus Christ. In every single one of us, across all of the lines, there is a need in our hearts to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else will satisfy us. We need that living water, and that's what Jesus says to her. You need some living water. He avoids all of her talk about the the things that separate, and he focuses on the living water. We need living water. The next thing Jesus does is he says, you don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink. Because if you did, you would be asking me for something greater, and I would have given you living water. I love this. You know what Jesus does? He takes this conversation where she's like baiting him to go down a path of arguing, a path of more division, and instead, you know what he does? He calls her to think greater. He says, oh man, forget that. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for something greater than what you're thinking about right now. We as a church, in our society, as a nation, there are people, we could talk about the divisions all day long, but God is looking for a people that would go into the hearts of people and say, what people really need is living water. Bypass that conversation and say, think higher, think higher. What unites us? We all need a savior. We have things that can unite us. And Jesus shows us that we don't, we don't focus on what divides us, but what unites us. This woman comes right back, and she has another now thing that separates us. She says, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain when your people teach that Jerusalem is the place that worship? And again, she says this phrase, which is right? So interesting. Do you know what she's doing to Jesus? She's forcing him. She's trying to force him to pick sides. Do you ever feel like that? You're being forced to pick sides. Which is right? 
Let's learn from Jesus. This is what Jesus says. Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. God is calling us to think higher. God is calling us as a church to remember what unifies us. I started thinking, what was Jesus' approach with this woman? How did he approach her? I think it's so beautiful. You know, sometimes I'm like, Lord, how do we approach people when there's so much hurt, there's so much pain, there's so much history, there's so much stuff, there's baggage. How do you approach people? Jesus right here. Man, I read it over and over again yesterday, like so many times. And it's like, wow, Jesus shows us how to do it. First thing he does is he physically crosses a line. He physically walks and he goes to where the woman is at. He's willing to physically cross a boundary. We have to be willing to step out of sight of our four walls of our church. We have to be willing to stepping outside of our little comfort zones, our little neighborhood, our little world of people, and begin to physically step outside some of our boundaries to reach people that need Jesus. That's what Jesus literally did. He walked across. Everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm sure the disciples were rattling off all the reasons why he probably should not do what he's doing, but he did it anyways. He crossed that boundary so that he could break through cultural barriers. He comes right to where the lady's at. This woman, Fotini, he he knows she's going to be at the well, and he comes. That's how Jesus wants us to do. He wants to come where people are at. I love this. This is so beautiful. I think this is something we can learn. He sits with her. He just come and sits with her. He's not afraid to be seen with her. He's not like, oh, what is everybody going to think about me? Oh, my word, the disciples, when they come back, oh, is going to be held up? No, he, he doesn't care about any of that because he wants to reach that woman. And he is willing to just sit with her. I love this too. He engages in conversation. Begins to talk. He's not intimidated. He's not threatened. He's not, oh, is this going to be an awkward conversation? He just engages in conversation. He lets it kind of go where, where it goes, and he obviously directs it to you. I like this. He acknowledges where the woman's at. He's one that says, so you have five husbands. You're living with a man that's like not your husband right now. It's kind of like a big mess. He acknowledges it, but you don't hear him condemning her. It doesn't, the next verse is not, how dare you woman be in that situation you are unclean. That's not what he does. He leads her to the living water. He acknowledges what she is going through. He acknowledges mistakes even that she's made, but he does not condemn her. This needs to apply to our approach with people. You know, this is another thing I thought was so interesting. Because as I read it, I read it in like every translation I could find. Not every translation, but a whole bunch of translations. And Everyone sounded sarcasm. I could hear sarcasm in the question. Every translation, her questions to him, her little, I wouldn't even be caught dead with, you know, all the little things. There's sarcasm that comes based out of hurt. That really comes out of how she feels from the history between their peoples, between her life. She's probably been condemned even in her own village for all the stuff that she's done. And, And Jesus does not get offended by her sarcasm or how she's talking. He almost just like doesn't even notice it. He goes right into the real issues of the heart. 
You know, we get so offended so easily when people who have gone through pain and been through hurt come at us maybe with a little sarcasm, maybe a little bitterness. Can we just not react to that? Can we get to the heart? We all need Jesus. Jesus showed us how to do it. He gets right to the heart, and I love this. He leads her to what she's really needing, which is transformation. He leads her to living water. I love that, this translation of verse 22, it says, um, but the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter. I'm gonna say that again, so you like let it land. Time is coming, in fact, it is now, when what you are called will not matter, and where you to go to worship will not matter. If we as a church are gonna break through cultural barriers, we have to stop focusing on what divides us, and we have to start focusing on what unites us, which is the mission of Christ, to reach people. Can I hear an amen to that? Number two, his mission is not our own, is, is not his own. John 4, 34, uh, 4 and 35, he says, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing what he started. The work he started, he finishes. But I love this because if the mission is your own, it's going to leave your soul hungry. Do, do you, I mean, look, if, if this is true, that the, Jesus was nourished, he was fed by doing the will of the Father, if we do the opposite of that and we do our own will and we get our own mission, then literally we will be left with our soul hungry, not fulfilled. Jesus taught us something. If our mission's our own, we'll leave hungry. The other thing I, I think about this is, is that blows my mind, but Jesus forgot about natural food. He was so engrossed in what he was doing that those natural things like food, he didn't even think about it. It so fed him. Would our mission to reach people so like overwhelm us that we, some other things in our lives like fade away? Some of those natural things, those things that we're trying to, those missions we're trying to do. We're trying to get to this place in life financially. We're trying to get to this place. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do this. We're on this mission in life. But what if the mission for Christ to reach people was so overpowering our life that some of those things just fade away and be like, I didn't even think about that this week. Because... The mission of Christ has literally overshadowed everything else. That's what Jesus, that's what happened to him. He forgot about the natural because his focus was so much on the mission. I want to say this to you too. God's mission, just swallow if you need to, but God's mission is greater than yours. You may have a mission, you may have a thought, you may have something you want to do with your life. God's mission is greater than than yours. God's mission is greater. Matthew 10 verses 39 says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you will never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. When's the last time you were so engrossed with what God has us here on the earth to do that you forget about some of the natural things in your life that sometimes so consume us, so consume us. God wants his mission to take root in our heart because only his mission will satisfy nothing else. If, if your mission is to get a better house, then you're going to get that house and you're going to need a better house. If your mission is to, to always get more, 
then you're, it's never going to be quenched. You're always going to need more. Only Christ's mission to reach people will leave you satisfied. It was his food. It said it was his literal food. Number three, his mission reflects his heart for us. John 4.10, it says, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you'd be asking more for me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. Jesus wants us to have a fulfilled life. It shows his heart. He knows that poor woman. She was not satisfied. Otherwise, she wouldn't have gone from husband one to number two to number three to number four to number five and then dished him and gotten a new man because it wasn't giving her what she was looking for. God wanted her to be fulfilled. God said there's living water. There's something greater. God has something greater for you. God loves you. His heart for us. I love his heart for her. You realize she was broken. She was divorced. She was an adulterer. She was an immoral woman. And yet God just sat with her. Was not going off about what she did wrong. But he sat with her. His heart for you, if you're in that spot right now, broken, if you've messed up or you are in a situation where you're just like, ugh, I want you to picture that Jesus, that same Jesus that sat with the woman at the well. He comes to you just as you are just where you're at. That's his heart for you. I love this too, as he works from the inside out. Just doesn't come and go, change your circumstances. He says, no, I want there to be rivers of living water inside of you. Meaning something's dead inside of you. Something's dead inside of you and I'm going to bring it to life. Maybe you have a deadness inside of you. Maybe you're going through the motions and there's something dead inside God comes to bring life to where there is death. God brings hope where there is no hope. God has something for you today. That's his heart. His mission is absolutely reflects his heart for us. He consumes him. He wants to meet with you. I have this question for you. How do you view Jesus? In your walk with God, your relationship with God, I don't know where you come from or what it's been like, but whatever you have heard about Jesus whatever you've known about Jesus, if it does not reflect what is in this story, it's not the Jesus I serve. If it is a Jesus that comes to condemn, it's not the real Jesus. Jesus comes to love. He comes to transform. He comes to bring life. He comes to bring hope. As we close, his mission reveals the gospel. I love this. For when you drink the water I give, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Jesus comes to bring you life. He brings you eternal life, but he also has come to bring you life here. I love that the gospel is so uh, evident in the story. We believe in the gospel. This is our mission. The first thing that happens is the woman is transformed. How many know that there's, we're in need as a culture of some transformation? I want you to think about where this woman started. She was at the well at noon so she couldn't be around anybody else. Remember we talked about that. That same woman who didn't want to see one other human being, so she went when no other human being was there, is the same woman that ran back to the village, and it says she told every man and woman about Jesus. She was so transformed. She went from being insecure, ashamed, lonely, isolated, all on her own, no hope, to meet a woman that was so alive inside that it was gushing forth, and she ran 
ran back. She ran back and says to every man and woman, she had to tell them. It transformed her. Jesus can transform you, and that's the message of the gospel. We need to share this message with the world. The other thing that shows you about the gospel, it's contagious. It can't stay inside. If the gospel has transformed you, it's going to rub off on somebody. It's going to run off on your kids. It's going to rub off on your friends because it transforms you. When Jesus comes and meets you, and maybe you've known God your whole life, but it's been a bunch of rules. Today, God wants to give you living water. He doesn't come with a set of rules. He will transform you, and you'll end up living differently than you started. But I will say it's out of relationship. He comes with living water. He comes to bring you hope today, and you're going to have to share it because it's going to be so contagious. Do you know that the gospel leads to community? She went from being totally alone to being part of the community. Not only that, she became the evangelist that saved the whole city. Not only that, but she and an entourage of people went all around telling other people she began to have community. She went from being an incredibly lonely person. I like verse 42. It says, they began their faith journey because of the testimony of this woman. Who has begun their faith journey because of your testimony? What's coming out of your heart? What has Jesus done for you? The gospel leads to freedom. It freed her. She went from being ashamed and hiding to just free. She ran back and she was a free woman. Do you know the other thing that happens is as God transformed her, he also does something very significant which he wants to do with each of us. He gives her a mission. He gives her a reason to live. Some people say, what is the reason to live? I'll tell you, Jesus said it right before he ascended up to heaven. Here's what he said to us. Here is our mission. Go into the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. I'm going to read it again. You don't know why you're alive. Your mission is this. You know, the last thing Jesus said here on earth before he ascended into heaven, the very last thing, I imagine it would be pretty important, right? If I knew it was going to be the last time I was going to see my kids, I wouldn't be like, don't forget to put the milk in the fridge. You know, I would just be like, who cares about the milk in the fridge? Though I might say that a lot in my house. It's not important, right? I would say live for Christ. I would say lay down your life for God. You'll ne- this important words Jesus says for you today. Our mission, what is going to be nourishment, what is going to be food, what is going to make us come alive inside is for us to connect with this mission. Go into the world. Go and announce this. One last thing I want to say is right after that portion, it goes into Acts 1.8 where Jesus says, but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. And interestingly enough, he uses Samaria and the ends of the earth. Samaria kind of signifies the forgotten, the ones that were outcasts. They were on the outside. Jesus said, we're supposed to go. But you know, that witness word Doug shared with us a few months ago, it so impacted me that that witness word, you know, I'm picturing taking Bible tracks around and that's like, I'm witnessing, I'm witnessing. (laughs) But what that word witness means is martyr. And what martyr means is laying down your life for something. So what Jesus is asking us to do, our mission, my mission is not to serve Donna Lassett, to make her name great, to try to build my own kingdom. My mission is this, to go into the world, to give people Jesus, 
to lay my life aside for his mission. Because his mission will always involve people. Always, always, always involve people. Jesus laid his life down for you. If you do not know Jesus, today is your day. Jesus laid his life down for you. His whole mission was to connect God with man. He laid his life down for you. And he finished the work. Finished the work. Finished the work. That involves us laying our life down. So just close your eyes with me. As we close this morning, the Holy Spirit is in this room. God might be tapping on your heart. I want to ask this question just you and Jesus has your mission been on target has your mission lined up with what Jesus is talking about here or has I'm just going to ask you is your mission about you is your mission about yourself is your mission kind of got caught up in something else maybe the Lord is tapping your heart this morning and he's saying don't forget my mission is about people it's about laying your life down. Maybe this morning you feel empty. Maybe you feel like you're...